Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. So far in this message series on life together, we've been looking at the things that will enable us to live life as part of God's family together. It's this realization that the Christian life is not a solo experience. It's really intended to be lived with others. Uh, it's not intended to be uh, lived in isolation and just by ourselves. It's not just a spiritual exercise between the scriptures and prayer. It actually involves other people. In fact, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, and it is truly a gift. There's nothing that any individual does to earn the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. However, the practice of discipleship and becoming transformed into the image of Jesus absolutely requires other people. It requires that we're around others. We can't be discipled in isolation. We can only be discipled when we're in fellowship and in relationship. This is exactly what Jesus models for us. Uh, our discipleship requires this participatory engagement with others. Uh, in order for followers of Jesus to be conformed to his likeness, we really need to do the things that Jesus did and say the things that Jesus said. That's the whole idea of discipleship, is following after someone, and in this case, following after Jesus, believing that he is Lord, that he is the Christ, that he is King. And so we want to emulate and, and follow him in his life. Well, when we look at Jesus, the, the reality is that he spent all of his time, with the exception of those times he pulled away to be with the Father, he certainly did that, but the whole rest of his time was with people. In fact, he spent more time with the 12 disciples than you and I ever spend with people in our lifetime. He spent roughly two to three years uh, of every waking moment, except when in his times of prayer, he spent it with these 12 disciples. Now, if Jesus did this, he modeled for us the fact that ministry and growth and the kingdom life, it's all to be lived in community. We, we often even just think of the 12, but in reality, Jesus had three, Peter, James, and John, who he was intimately close with. He had the 12 that he included in all of his activities just to uh, help disciple them and to lead them, the 12 that he called. But beyond that, there was uh, another 70 who were regular followers. So they're part of the much broader community uh, that Jesus was actively engaged with. And so, you know, Jesus was continually around people. And, and this is hard for us, right? We sometimes separate spiritual from uh, the church life in terms of being around people. We think my life in Jesus doesn't require that I... Uh, am a part of a small group, or my life in Christ doesn't require that I spend much time with others. It can really just be my family and my activities. And there's nothing in scripture that teaches that. That's actually contrary to how the Bible plays out and shows. Like even we go back to the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they were gathered together in tribes. They were gathered together in communal families and groups. And, and so they lived life with the larger picture of being in community. It's really more of our modern experience of putting the fence around our residence and it's just our life and our schedule and people have to break in to, to get around us or we have to break out of that to get around other people. Well, this idea of living in community, it's really shaping 
who we want to become as a church. And so we see ourselves at New Horizons becoming people who are deeply connected to Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, living as an expression of God's love to the world. And so this picture is of people, right? It's not a picture of uh, just services. It's not a picture of just activities. It's a picture of people who are deeply connected to Jesus, full of the Spirit, living as God's expression of love to the world. And so this really calls us to plunge headlong into this discipleship process with other people. It's Again, it's not in isolation, it's with others. So, so far in this series of Life Together, uh, I started out by talking about uh, how we engage with one another, and that means loving one another. That's top of the list. That's top shelf stuff. We have to begin there because that's what Jesus said. John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, this is the one true witness that we are followers of Jesus is our love. Yes, reading your Bible is important and it's going to help and you're growing connected to Jesus, uh, but it doesn't tell me uh, who you belong to. Uh, it tells me who you're interested in. It tells me that you're devoted to something. It doesn't tell me who you belong to or who you're imaging. Uh, yes, time in prayer is important. You should absolutely spend time with Jesus. It's, it's necessary in order to be connected to Jesus. But again, that doesn't tell me uh, and those around me, what the fruit of your life is. It, it tells me that you've spent time, but what's the result of that? How has Jesus changed you? Instead, it, show me how you love people. Show me how you relate to people in the, the same way that Jesus related to people in the love of God, and I will know you belong to Christ by the way you love them. I will know you belong to God's family by the way you love them. In other words, it's not the externals that I can see you doing of reading scripture, attending a service, uh, being in prayer. Those are all external things that I could observe with my eyes. But the real measure of yours and my life in Christ is how people experience love from me. That means that both the word and the prayer and my time and fellowship in the community has gotten itself worked into my heart. It has changed me from the inside out and the people around me experience love in a transformational way because of my discipleship with Jesus. And so that's why Jesus tells his, his followers, his 12, he says, <clears throat> listen, people are gonna know you're my disciples by the way you love one another that is gonna be a sure sign that you belong to me and that you are walking in the way of the kingdom. Well, next, as we consider life together, I shared how easily we can receive and give offenses. And the question is, what are we going to do with those? Uh, it's not a question of if we'll be offended or if we'll offend somebody else. It's, a, it's just the reality, it's the question of when, because it will happen. And so what will we do with those? Uh, when that happens, Ephesians 4 points us to the idea that uh, one of the critical, critical things that's needed for us as followers of Christ is to be tender-hearted, to be soft towards others. Uh, to those in God's family, it says, be tender-hearted towards one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
And so this is our, this is our pattern, this is our way. Will we take offense and will we just keep wounding ourselves with it and build up walls and hardening our heart towards other people because we've been offended or hurt? Or will we, as scripture directs us to, will we surrender those offenses to Christ and will we say, I forgive, Lord, help me, it's challenging, but help me to be tenderhearted, willing to forgive. In fact, help me to not be easily offended. Help me to not be so proud that I take offense easy, but help me to live humbly with those around me. So not coincidentally, then, that's one of the reasons why here at New Horizons we offer emotionally healthy spirituality is because we don't learn these things naturally, just on our own. In fact, the natural way is to put up walls. The natural, the flesh, as we refer to it, the old self, wants to defend ourselves. It wants to get angry. It wants to harden itself towards people. And so we have a course called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that we offer actually this fall, starting in September uh, of 2021, that we'll be offering. Uh, It's a great way for people to get immersed in this understanding of how do I change how to be a part of the family of God? How do I change from my family of origin to the cultural influences, to my own inclinations, to adopting what it means to be part of the family of God? We also offer emotionally healthy relationships. That'll be in the spring of 2022. And so I encourage you to look for that when that comes up. So we are committed. We believe strongly in relational development as the primary means through which we are discipled in the body of Christ. And so it takes a transformational approach to understanding our relationship to God and to others. Well, the first two messages then of this uh, series have dealt with how we need to change what's happening inside of us. We need to be loving. We need to be forgiving and tenderhearted, becoming a people who are extending forgiveness to others. In this message, I'm going to spend just a brief moment. It's not going to go too long, but we're going to talk about what we're supposed to do when we get together. So there's instruction throughout Scripture that we are to get together uh, as followers. And so that doesn't necessarily mean a Sunday morning service, uh, formal service. It just means we are to gather together with some type of group of other followers of Jesus. And so when we get together, the question is, what do we do? What's supposed to happen in those gatherings? Do we just make it up or is there some instruction? And yes, the latter is true. There's some direction for us. So let's pray and we'll look at a couple scriptures and uh, then we'll receive communion at the end of this message because I think it's a very um, appropriate way to conclude a message about what it is that we do when we're together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for these instructions that we're not left to just try to figure it out on our own of what's supposed to happen when we gather, but Lord, there's clear instruction as the things that will help build us up that will be transformational for us. And so I pray that you would lead us in this. Uh, Thank you. Bless the word to our hearing and to our doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's just really two verses that I want to look at. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, If you want to follow along with your own Bible or Bible app, we'll also have it on the screen here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. When you come together... 
Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Let me read that one more time. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So that's 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Very impactful verse that tells us what's supposed to happen when we're together. The other one is Colossians 3, 16. So again, if you want to turn there, it's coming up on the screen. Colossians 3, 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, I realize I've been pastoring for quite some time. I've, I've been around the church a long time. I've heard a lot of messages. So I realize that these don't seem like revelatory verses, that these aren't some awe-inspiring uh, or earth-shattering news to those who have been around the church at all. These, these verses are uh, shared or probably have been shared if you've been following Jesus for some time and you're familiar with them. But the truth is, is that sometimes we read things and we adopt them in a practice that doesn't have congruency with how they were written. So when we talk about when we get together, when we see in 1 Corinthians 14, when you come together, how many of us automatically thought, oh, Sunday morning, when we come together, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of people go to that place. They think, oh, Sunday morning. This doesn't give context for a Sunday morning church service in the United States in 2021. Uh, That's where our mind goes. Where their mind was going is when we get together, meaning we would be getting together for small groups, for meals, for house church, for fellowship, uh, for business, for interacting in in uh, in the community. Uh, this would just be part of our regular practice of living together. Remember I said they're, they're used to more community engagement and not isolated family structure, which is kind of more of our, our model. So I want to press on that a little bit because what often happens is people say, yes, we go through and we see verses like this and we say, okay, we need to do all of these things when we gather on a Sunday morning. And that is not the focus of this passage. Can these things happen on a Sunday morning? Yes, they can happen. The best context or the way this was written was when you're together in your small group, when you're together in your home group, when you're together with other Christians, when you're gathering for a cup of coffee, these are the things that we should be focused on. These should be the basis for our fellowship. The the urgency or the importance of understanding this is that this is the way that we do community and it is centered around the the person of Jesus Christ. Like so many people, when they do community and even in the church, they do what I talk about as Christian weather. (laughs) So it might actually be the weather, but oftentimes it's politics or it's just what's going on in your life, what's going on. And it's it's not that it's wrong to talk about those things, but they all center around me or you or that person. And there's very little that sometimes centers on the person of Christ. There's very little sharing of a revelation of what somebody learned or what God spoke to them in their prayer time. 
uh, oftentimes there's not a scripture or something of encouragement shared during that time or a lesson that is communicated of, hey, this is something that I learned or I want to pass along to you. Uh, sometimes there's not a tongue or interpretation of a tongue. Uh, there's not a song, right? These are all things that the scripture is pointing to. And it says, when we do these things, when we focus on these activities, we are all built up in relationship to one another. Because in the contra uh, contrary to this idea, what happens when we get together and we decide we want to talk about the politics of the day, the political flavors, right? Well, either one of two things. We all agree already because we're of the same mind. And so we all just pat each other on the back and say, yep, that's right. And that's the way I view the world too, which is contrary to uh, what's helpful for growth, right? We're not actually accomplishing anything. We're just affirming our views and beliefs. Or we gather and a couple people disagree. And so then we have division and divisiveness around something that really doesn't matter all that much to the, to the community of Jesus, our political views. Uh, we can talk about ourselves and our jobs, and those are helpful in as much as we invite people in to speak to us, to pray for us, to lift us up and encourage us. We can share about our family life, absolutely. That invites people in to know what we're going through, what's happening, how they can be praying for us, how we can encourage one another. But at the core of what we want to do, what these passages point us to are these things. The Word of God, we should bring the Word of God. There should be a lesson or a teaching, uh, songs or verses that sing or that speak of who God is and what He's done. There could be some poetry, maybe somebody's written some verses or just ideas about who God is. There should be some expressions of thankfulness, so some type of testimony or word or witness about what God has done in their life, some, some way to just to give thanks to God. There should be a revelation that somebody's just saying, hey, I learned this this week, or God opened my eyes to this this week. There, there could be a tongue or an interpretation of a tongue. That would be something that would be there as well. Uh, there could be verses that turn our focus to the Lord. Uh, somebody just shares a verse or two out of scripture that turns our attention to the Lord. So all of these things, what do they do? They give glory to Jesus. They turn our attention to what he's doing, to his work. Do you know, the whole purpose of all this is for the edification and the building up. It's for building up you. It's for building up the church. This is in sharp contrast to what often happens when we come together. You could spend 30 minutes, an hour, two hours sometimes in a group of people and you walk away and you go, wow, all I heard about was how bleak the world is, how terrible things are, how, uh, you know, this group or that group isn't doing what we want them to do. And there's just really a lack of hopelessness. Or can you imagine a gathering like this coming together on a regular basis? where you're edified and encouraged because you're sharing something and somebody else is sharing something and you're built up. Listen, this is, this is what is intended when we talk about doing community together. It doesn't mean we don't share hard things. It doesn't mean we don't pray about what's happening in our world. Quite the contrary. It means we do it with an eye towards Jesus and not to the world itself. We gather together with an eye towards the scriptures, towards learning, to edification, to building one another up and not towards just sharing about the weather, about general news. We are to be a prophetic voice to one another, not just a descriptive voice of what's happening around us. There's a sharp contrast there. 
And I always want to be this encourager. I always want to be this one who's just saying, listen, aim for that. Aim to be the prophetic voice, the one who reveals Christ, the one who edifies others around them, and not the voice who just tells everybody what everybody else already sees, which is life is hard. The world is struggling, and it's pulling away from God, not closer to God. And so the encouragement would be, make these a part of your gatherings. Now, as I said before, these are to be normal activities that happen within the people of God. Uh, we should engage in these when we get together. What a beautiful picture of what it would be if this was the norm for life together for us, and this is, would be our experience. But instead, unfortunately, oftentimes in the church today, these are reserved for once a week practices. In fact, I, I think a number of people wonder, why don't we do all of this stuff at church Sunday morning? Well, the challenge is, is that this is not the frame, as I said before, for which the early church was functioning. Uh, the early church model wasn't that they had this large church gathering where there's 75, 100, 150 people all gathered together, and somehow in that context, everybody's going to bring something and build up the whole church. No, their model was that they would go to synagogue because they were still deeply connected to the Jewish community. Remember Jesus coming out of the, uh, coming out of, but fulfilling the Jewish uh, prophecies and the, the idea of the Messiah, Jesus as the Messiah. So they view themselves still deeply connected to that community. And so they would go to the large group synagogue, but then they would come to the small group house churches and they would do these things. And so that's the admonishment. When you come together, after you've been in these large gatherings, when you come together, then build one another up, do these things, share a song, a word of encouragement, a teaching from what you heard and how that ties into your life in Jesus. So again, we tend to offer it up. This needs to be a service, right? People tend to think, I wanna come and be a part of a service where all this is just happening around me. The scripture says, no, that's not what's happening. You need to be the one who contributes. Follower of Jesus, you need to have a word. You need to have something about God's working. You need to have something ready to edify somebody else. Because in this way, you're participatory in the kingdom and not just an observer. We think about when we come together, we think Sunday morning and it's a observation or a viewing of what God is doing when the early church and when the encouragement to us is to view ourselves as active participants in our community that we're a part of. So let me sum it up with this and then we can move to communion. Life together as the church is most fully experienced in small groups and celebrated together in the congregation. So every Christian should have something to bring. Every Christian has something to bring. And that way, when we come together as the congregation, everybody together, then what do we gather around? We, we have songs that we celebrate. We have a testimony of what God is doing. And then we also have the cup and the bread that we bring. And again, we point our eyes to Jesus and we all fellowship together around this common person, the Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to conclude our time with the moment of communion. So if you want to pause and take a moment to get the bread, to get the cup, we'll come back together in just a moment.
So life together, it begins with the bread and the cup. It begins with Jesus and what he's done, right? This is our fellowship. We're not fellowshipping around politics. We're not fellowshipping around a preacher or a church. We're not fellowshipping around our community events. Um, we're saying, this is who I am. This is my life. This is my family. This is my work. And I bring it all into the community to point it all to Jesus and just say, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you have to say? And so that's why whenever we come together, right, we have a scripture, we have, we have something to offer because the church isn't about a pastor with a microphone and just a Sunday morning message. It's not about a, orchestrated songs that the worship team has prepared. Uh, that, that's not the whole of what the church is about. If that's all we're about, we're missing it. We're really falling short of the beauty of what it means to truly live life together. That means embracing one another in love. It means forgiving and releasing offenses. But it also means that when we're together, we're doing things like this. We hold the bread and the cup. And we always gather around Jesus and the work of the cross to reconcile us to the Father and to one another. Lord, we thank you for the bread. We do as you instructed that when we receive it, we remember you that on the night that you were betrayed, uh, you took the bread and you broke it and you gave it to your disciples. You gave it to the 12 and you said, this is my body given for you. And every time we receive it, we are to remember you, that you have paid the cost so that we might be reconciled to the Father. You are the Passover lamb for us. And so we thank you that as we receive the bread, we remember who you are. We remember what you've done. And we always gather around the bread and the cup. We gather around you, Jesus, because you are the living Christ not just the crucified Christ, not the buried Christ, but you are the resurrected and ascended Christ and the soon coming King. And so we turn our eyes towards the bread, towards the cup, and we remember you and what you've done. And this is our participation. We don't just observe your kingdom, we engage, we participate. And in this moment we participate and we say, there is just one body, your body, given for us, that atones for our sins, that we might be whole. So we thank you for your body and we receive it in your name. Amen. This cup of a new covenant that has no end, Lord, there is no other blood but your blood that brings redemption, that brings us to be reconciled to the Father. And so, Lord, we want to remain in fellowship with one another. It's because of your blood that we can be forgiven and we can forgive as we've been forgiven. It's because of your blood that we have a testimony of what's happening in our lives. And so when we gather, Lord, may we gather around the cup. May we gather around this new covenant that makes us sons and daughters and brothers and sisters in your family. And may we point our eyes and attention and our words and our actions all towards you, Jesus, and what you've accomplished on the cross, what you've accomplished by reconciling us through your shed blood. You gave your life so that we could experience it. And so we receive your life so that we can live it to the full. When you were betrayed, you gave the cup 
You passed it around and said, this is my blood of a new covenant. And Lord, we receive this new covenant as being part of your family reconciled to you and to one another. Amen. I want to encourage you as you go forward in this week, as you go forward in this month, as you go forward in life, I want to encourage you to press into relationship. It's going to be hard. It's not natural for us. We tend not to live in community. We tend to live in family and, and not even just wide family. We just take immediate family, brothers, sisters, parents. And so it's hard to open that circle up a little bit and live more in relationship with others. But I want to encourage you to press into that a little bit more. And then as you think about what you have to offer, right, whether that is a Sunday morning or your small group, I want you to think about, Lord, what is it that you've given me? Don't just rush out the door and say, well, I got to go attend something. Be thinking, I got to go participate in something. I need to bring something that's going to edify my brothers and sisters in Christ. God bless you as you do it. The Holy Spirit is faithful to give it to you and may Jesus receive all glory because we do it. Let's live life together in Christ. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.